Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and our text is found there, but we're going to be all over the scriptures today, okay? Are you okay with that? You like the Bible? I like the Bible. I love the Bible. I remember when uh, Seth first came back, Pastor Seth first came back from Bible college, and he was trying to show me something on the guitar. When I was 18, the Lord... uh, told me to sell everything I have and to buy a guitar. I bought a Honer guitar. Honer is known for harmonicas. So uh, probably not the best guitar I ever owned in my life, but I bought this guitar and I learned to mimic the chord patterns that I saw from other worship leaders. And I learned how to play a D and a C and a G. And that gave me the ability to play almost every worship song in the early Jesus movement. Uh, But I never learned the basic fundamentals of the guitar. And uh, so consequently, I play those chords a little bit wrongly. I don't have my fingers in the wrong place, or at least it's sketchy at times. And and I never learned the elemental things. Uh, So when Seth was trying to show me something on the guitar when he first came back, he said, it's right there on... Your, your G string, and I said, I am a Christian, I don't wear a G string. And he said, he said, right there on your guitar, he said, right there, I said, I don't know the names of the strings. And he was like, you have been playing the guitar and leading worship for all these years, and you don't know the names of the strings? Aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> and I was embarrassed. Uh, But you can get by without having mastered the fundamentals. But you can't be great. You can't excel without having the fundamentals down. And so uh, it's interesting that the topic we're going to talk about today is listed in Hebrews chapter 6, not our text, Hebrews chapter 6, as one of the fundamentals of the faith. It is one of the things that, that the author of the book of Hebrews says is uh, I don't want to go over those things because those are so basic. And so, but, t- but today, in order for us to bear fruit, to be fruit-bearing believers, fruit-bearing followers of Jesus, I think that we have to master the fundamentals, the elementary things, amen? If we're going to bear fruit, if we're going to be the people who make a change in the world, if we're going to be effectual followers of Jesus. And so I would like to say to you, I do know the names of the strings and the guitar, which is great. So now they put me on the piano this morning, and I don't know any of those things over there either. So the idea is that we should, we should understand these very, very, thing, very first things. And the thing that we're talking about today is the ministry of impartation. Look at your neighbor and say impartation. Fancy word. Impartation is a fancy word. Uh, 
and uh, so we're, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, and Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's uh, going to talk a little bit about the fundamental that we're talking about today. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of how your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Will you pray with me this morning? Our Father, our hearts are wide open. We are fertile ground, Lord. We are willing to obey. We are learning. We're willing to learn, Lord. So help us, Lord, we pray. Speak through revelation about the impartation, Lord. As we get this, Lord, let it be something that changes our life, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul hints there, he says, the gift of God that is in you, fan that into flame, the gift that is God that is in you by the laying on of my hands. That's what I want to talk to you today about, the laying on of hands. A ministry that's uh, actually not practiced very well in most churches that I've been in, and oftentimes is so scary that people don't want any part of it. And some people practice it ritualistically, but we're going to take a look at where it comes from in the Scriptures. So are you ready to kind of climb through the Scriptures with me a little bit? We begin in Genesis chapter 48. It's the story of Israel, or uh, Jacob, who is, uh, had his name changed to Israel, and he is old and he is dying. He is so sick that, that, uh, that uh, um, it, the, the, the word has gone out that he is going to die. And so Joseph is told this, and he brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, into the very uh, presence of Israel. And as he brings them into that presence, he's, uh, Israel sits up on the edge of his bed, and he uh, says, "Let bring your children here to me, and he kisses them both, his grandchildren. And he says something that radically changes the nation of Israel forever. He says, these two are mine. All the rest of your children are yours, Joseph. That's an interesting thing, you know. From then on, the 12 tribes of Israel now include these two grandchildren. And so that kind of messes people up when they're trying to understand the 12 tribes. But that's really important. And he says, bring them here so that I can bless them. Joseph uh, ordains it so that the, the firstborn will be on Israel's right hand and the secondborn will be born, uh, brought to his left hand, the right hand being the more powerful hand of blessing in this case. And so uh, he's about to bless them and then he reaches, he's blinded, he doesn't see very well, and he reaches out his hands and as he's about to put his hands on his grandchildren, he swaps his hands and crosses his hands. And he begins to prophesy the blessing over them. You will be great. You will be, uh, uh, many, you will be uh, fulfill the many nations promise that came to me. And Joseph is scandalized by this and he grabs his, his father's hands 
And he begins to stretch them out and say, no, your right hand should be on the oldest son. And he says, oh, he will be great too, my son, but the oldest will serve the youngest. Uh, oh no, the youngest, yeah, the oldest will serve the youngest because the blessing of God will be on him. Totally, totally freaks Joshua out. But it's interesting to see what he's doing there. He has something on the inside of him. He has been given something from God. He has an anointing on his life that is different from every other anointing. He has been blessed with God's presence. He has God's Holy Spirit on him. God has laid out the promised land before him. And he says, here it is, everything that you would want, everything that you could ever desire, this is yours. And now he knows as he is about to go and be in heaven, he needs to bequeath that to those that are his. And he stretches out his hand to give a blessing. It's it's extremely important that we recognize that what is happening here is he is taking something that he has, a spiritual inheritance, an anointing, a gifting, and he puts that out to bless these, his grandchildren. If we were to look again in Deuteronomy chapter 34, or Numbers chapter 8, or Numbers chapter 27, we would see that the laying out of hands here is used a little differently. This is when, when the priests are selected and they're, they're brought before uh, Moses, or they're brought before the high priest, Eleazar is brought before, then there is the laying on of hands by the one who is uh, uh, separating them into their calling, into their vision. So not only is the laying on of hands used to bless, in the Old Testament anyway, to bless, then also the laying on of hands is also there to, to separate, to, to ordain to his particular ministry. And so the commissioning of Eleazar the priest is commanded, and so hands are laid upon him. The priests are ordained, and they're separated to a particular task, which, by the way, that's what holy means. Separated from the rest of everyone else. Holy doesn't have to do with whether you wear a doily on your head or a bun on your head or whether you're dressed in a suit or whether you're dressed in shorts. Holy has to do with who, whose you are and what task you are separated to. And so this is what he does. Once again, it is Moses separating in numbers. He's separating Joshua or Eleazar to their particular calling and the impact we were talking earlier in. Uh, and we didn't have very much time this morning, but we were talking a little bit beforehand about how, why people respected Joshua and why they followed this nutball who wants to march around the city all these times, day after day, when there's no sign that that's ever going to do anything to the city of Jericho. Why would they do that? Because... They had seen Joshua's character. He had gone into the tent of meeting with Moses. He had prayed with him. They had seen Moses lay hands on Joshua and separate him to that task. And once that, those hands are laid on, that person is separated to that task. We just a few uh, uh, months, I guess, ago, we went and, and, and Pastor Seth went through the ordination process. Uh, 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 ceremony, the same ordination ceremony that I went to, that all the Assembly of God ministers go to. There's a moment in the service where he is kneeling uh, before the, the presbyter 
who has a mantle, a, 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 a mantle up on his shoulders, and that person lays his hands on there, and the person who's preaching, or who's, who's praying, rather, at the pulpit, says, from this moment forward, you will no longer be as other men. You have been set apart for this moment. See, a lot of people can preach, but only a few people are called out to that moment. And so in that moment, there's a transfer of that mantle that's set that person apart and, and set that preacher apart from all the others. It happened to Joseph. It happened to Joshua. It happened to Eleazar. It happened all through the scriptures. And so hands are laid on to ordain to a particular ministry. In Exodus 29, verse 10, we read the, story, we read the, the direction of, of, of God towards his people on what to do when they're about to sacrifice a bull. And they're going to sacrifice the bull for the sin offering. The high priests who are the, the people who represent the people are to come and they are to lay hands on that sacrificial bull. And in so doing, a transference happens. They that represent the people of Israel, it would be too hard to have three million people lay hands on that one bull. You understand that. So the, 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 the representatives of those people, spiritual representatives, lay hands on that bull. And as they lay hands on that bull, all the sins of Israel are imputed now to that animal. It is more than just metaphor. It is more than just... Uh, uh, spiritual ritual, it is the transference of the sins of, that, of all that people into that bull, and then the bull is sacrificed and his blood is spattered across the front of the altar time. And so there is this sense of cleansing. This is all about spiritual transference. It is all about transferring what I have, my blessing, to my grandchildren. It is about transferring uh, uh, the, the anointing of God, the separation of God, the ordination of God into that person and bring, separating them into a specific class of people. And so we see that happening all the time in Scripture. Enter Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the Son of God, comes and He ministers healing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in studying this, it just struck me how frequently Jesus touched people to minister to them. And in very much the same way. Frequently, we know that Jesus has the ability to speak and, and prayer gets answered, right? You don't have to come to my place, uh, Jesus. All you have to do is speak because I understand authority. And if you speak, then my servant has to be healed because that's what kind of authority you have. And Jesus doesn't go, oh no, I don't have that kind of authority. Jesus says, I've not found such faith in Israel. Right? So, so here now, uh, now we see J Jesus who has all that authority, yet when he goes to pray for people, he lays hands upon them. In Mark chapter 6, we see that Jesus is, is praying. Actually, it's a complaint of a place that Jesus just doesn't have the power to do all that he would like to do in that place. Mark chapter 6 tells us that Jesus couldn't do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few people and heal the sick there. So this is Jesus, one of Jesus' greatest ministry 
failures. I'd like to have this kind of a ministry failure, to be honest with you. But this is a place where they're saying about Jesus, he, he didn't have his stuff that day. He wasn't able to do everything. It wasn't his best sermon. It wasn't his best altar call. It wasn't his best. All he could do was lay hands on a few sick and those people were there. Well, we recognize that the scripture tells us, it clues us in, that it was because the people had such a great lack of faith. Everybody say, it was the people. There has to be an air of expectation in order for those miracles to happen. Even when Jesus Christ himself is laying hands on a few people, there is an understanding of, of expectation that's there. We see Jesus in Matthew 19, uh, where he gathers the children that's depicted in this stained glass right behind you there over on the west side of the back wall there. And uh, it's depicted that the, the, the little ones are brought to Jesus there. And we think, we think of Jesus as being kindly here and, and, and blessing the children. And he is about to give a blessing to them. But it sp says specifically in Matthew 19 that he laid hands on them. And in touching them, uh, that he brought what he had and put the blessing on those children. It's important to understand that. Uh, Pastor Seth preached not too long ago about Jesus and his, his touching the leper. If there was ever a man who shouldn't be touched, it's the leper. But Jesus reaches out and touches the leper and powerfully breaks down social stigma and all this stuff, shows the compassion of the heart of God. And yet at the same time, we see Jesus over and over and over and over again laying hands on the sick and the sick getting well. In fact, Jesus lays his hands on the sick in Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, and in Matthew chapter 8, verse 15, and Matthew chapter 9, verse 25, in Mark 1, 31, Mark 1, 41, Mark 3, 5, Mark 5, 41, Mark 6, 5, Mark 7, 32, Mark 8, 23, Mark 9, 27, Luke 4, Luke 5, Luke 6, Luke 8, Luke 13, Luke 22, John chapter 9. Jesus is a hand-laying son of a gun here, right? Jesus is laying hands on everything that moves. Jesus recognizes there's got to be hands laid on them. Jesus, who could say with one word, healing would go to that house. But Jesus is insistent. I'll begin to walk to that house. Come on, everybody. I'm starting to get excited. I want to lay my mitts on that person. I want to lay hands on that person and bring healing to that person. That's pretty powerful. We see the same things mimicked in the New Testament under the disciples. The disciples' methodology of imparting to, to the, the, the people is played out for us in, in the book of Acts and in some of the epistles. In, uh, in Mark 16, we read that one of the signs that the Holy Spirit is upon those people is they will lay hands on the sick there's five signs there, but they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is what disciples do. This is one of the signs of, of, the, of a discipleship. The church is to lay hands, according to James chapter 5, on the sick and anoint them with oil. They're supposed to be ministering by laying on of hands. In Acts chapter 28, verse 8, we see this demonstrated in the ministry of the uh, Apostle Paul. So we see that 
laying on of hands in the New Testament time to the New Testament people, not just the people who are apostles, but to all the church, is, is given over to the, the church members, the believers in Jesus. And that laying out of hands is so that they can uh, heal the sick. And we also see that laying out of hands is used to ordain people to specific ministries. In Acts 13, verses 1 through 3, it says that the, the people of God were all gathered there in Antioch, and as they were gathered together in Antioch, they had been praying and fasting, and they're in prayer, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to them and say, I want you to separate from the rest of these people, all these people, these teachers that were all gathered there, these prophets that were all gathered there, praying and prophesying over one another. I want you to separate these two guys, Barnabas and Saul, and they will be apostles sent to do missionary journeys. And from that moment on, Paul is sent out to do these missionary journeys that we read about in the book of Acts. It comes, and it says then, that they laid hands on them and that they were imparted to them this anointing of God on them that separated them from the rest of the people. We see the same thing happen to the deacons when they are, in Acts chapter 6, when they are moved aside and said, okay, these six deacons now, their job is to do this. They laid hands on them. They were filled with the Spirit. They were, they were uh, godly men filled with wisdom, but they laid hands on them so that they could be separated to that particular ministry. The laying on of hands separates them just in the same way it separates uh, Barnabas and Saul. And so, and then in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it's, it, there's a warning to Timothy, the young pastor, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. It's an important uh, thing. It's talking not specifically upon laying hands on people for healing. It's talking about laying hands on people and separating them into service. He's saying to the young pastor, listen, when you lay hands on people to anoint them to a specific task, make sure you know those people. Make sure you know their character. Make sure they're not thieves and robbers and liars and all these other things. Make sure that they have good, good godly character. Otherwise, you end up sharing their sins. Right? If Pastor Dave hires a pervert for the youth for a youth program or for the children's program, that's, that's on me, right? I mean, granted, they may have done something, but, but it, it's, I'm not pointing to anybody in particular. Don't, don't, I, want, I don't want this to be let, let the record show that I'm not pointing to anybody in particular. What I'm saying is that there's an onus that comes on a person when they're in leadership, and that's what Paul is trying to instill to Timothy there. Uh, Jesus told his disciples to go lay hands on the sick. In Mark 16, he said, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They will drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. These five signs, exorcism, tongues, this uh, uh, weird snake thing, the poison, drinking poison, laying on of hands is the one that's most pertinent of all those today. We see all those fulfilled, by the way, in the book of Acts, the serpent bites and all those things. But, we, but all those things are fulfilled in the, in the church and continue to be recognized that we as the people, as the body of Christ, need to be laying hands on the sick so they can recover. And that's, so there, there's the, the, the New Testament impetus for doing that. 
when they laid their hands on people, it also was to impart giftings. And our text today shows that. It says, do not neglect, neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy of when the elder, council elders laid their hands on you. He says, that's in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I want you to recognize that this is also a, a gift given to you, that people laid their hands on you. They imparted something to you. They gave it to you. In Romans chapter 1 verse 11, the Apostle Paul is writing to the people in Rome and he says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So there's the expectation, Paul says, that when I get there, when I can get my mitts on you, when I get there, then I can impart to you a spiritual gift. That's really what he's saying there. He's saying, I have this long, this hunger for this expectation. In Acts chapter 19, are we, are we going through these? Well, we're climbing through them pretty good. Okay, so in Acts chapter 19, you got these all memorized? <laughs> in Acts chapter 19, verse 6, the Apostle Paul lays hands on these Ephesian guys who and said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, you need to be baptized. And then he said, and then he lays hands on them. And then once he lays hands on them, the Holy Spirit is imparted to them. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he can tell because they're speaking in tongues. In Acts chapter 8, it's so compelling that when the, the, the apostles laid hands on those that were needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, when he laid hands on them, it was so compelling that Simon, who was a, a new believer who, and, and came out of sorcery, he said, I want that power. I want the power to lay hands on people so that the Holy Spirit will fill them. And he offered to buy that. That's where we get the sin of simony, buying a position in the church. Anyway, so all this is to say, is to say that there's this impartation. I understand that that's, this makes us different than the church that you came out of. But then you came out of that church. So the question then comes down to this. What is happening in the laying on of hands? I've heard pastors, good pastors, say it's just a symbol. I can't believe that. I can't believe it because it's so regular in Scripture. It's such a command given to, you know, in, in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus commands his disciples to go out and lay hands on the, on the sick. He doesn't say, go pray for people. They could all stand around. He says, get your hands on those people. Why? We have to ask ourselves what it is. Go back through the scripture that we, all the scriptures we just went through. It's a good study, isn't it? A good study? Wow, that's a really fantastic study. I was so blessed going through it. And as I'm going through the study, I realize that what Israel is giving to his grandchildren is something Israel already knows. He already owns. When Moses is commissioning Joshua and sending him apart to the Lord's work, He's laying his hands on him, and Moses knows that. And the reason Moses is the one who lays his hands on him is Moses is the only one who knows that to that date. And so he is taking, once again, what he knows and imparting it to him. 
When, when a person is being healed then, and, and having hands laid on them, some form of impartation comes when you lay hands on the sick that flows out of you. So what I'm saying to you is this. You have to have it on the inside of you to give it when you lay hands on people. You say, oh no, it's Jesus that does the healing. Listen, no one's confused. We don't think it's you. There's a couple guys who maybe act weird and think it, act like it's them. But none of us are confused. We know you can't do diddly squat. That's a Greek word, diddly squat. <laughs> so really, the key is to know what's on the inside of you. Super important. Super important. I can already feel pushback. You know, in, in the spirit sometimes when you're up here, you can feel people going, I don't know about that. You can feel that. You can feel it. But I'm just telling you the way it is, okay? Bill Murray would say, that's the fact, Jack. So what's in me? The Holy Spirit of God is on the inside of me. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you and it will quicken your mortal body. That means the same Holy Spirit that does resurrection power work is the same Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of you. And so when we, when we are busy about to lay hands on the sick, we need to maybe make a recognition that it's not me that's really doing this. I mean, I'm doing it. It's my hands. I, it's my will. I drove over here. I'm going to put my hands on this person. But it's what's on the inside of me that I'm going to transfer into this person. You see, we've been, we've been called to be representatives of God. In the same way that my children are representatives of me, you as a child of God are representatives of the Father God. When we think of adoption, we think of a wonderful thing that we've received. It's wonderful. Right? We think, when you're adopted, you don't, you don't, you're, you're, but adopted people have to recognize that there's, it's about more than having received love. It's also being received and given status. Welcomed into a family. Given an inheritance. Right? So, we have to reform our minds around the concept of adoption. Yes, it's an act of grace that God would take us in and call us His sons. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. It's more than just the expression of love. It's also the expression of uh, uh, the impetus of giving us something that we have to to represent God in. And so the Holy Spirit in us, the adoption spirit that's crying out, Abba, Father, one of the things it's crying out to you is represent God. Wherever you go, represent God. You're God's son, represent God. 
I pray to God that when you get out of your car and walk from the parking lot into your place of business and you walk into that place, that one of the things the Holy Spirit will speak to you tomorrow morning as you're walking into work is you may be the only person who represents God in this place. You've been adopted. You, you've been brought into this, this, this beautiful family. You've been given this empowerment of the Holy Spirit on your life. See, God wants us to do more than go and collect a paycheck. What's in me is the Holy Spirit. What's in me is the spirit of adoption. Jesus told His disciples in Matthew 28 and in Matthew 10, to go and lay hands on the sick, to go and preach the gospel, to go into all the world and make disciples, to go out there. I have, in addition to the Holy Spirit, I have a commission of the Holy Spirit on my life. I'm supposed to go into the world and with the authority to preach the gospel and to heal. So I have to, I have to recognize that. I also have this immense confidence in prayer. Because I know that God has answered my prayers so many times. Now, if I was God, I would not give my Holy Spirit to you. Because I think you just want to play with it and, make, and see tricks. But if you would really grasp the power of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in your life, then suddenly... You would be useful for the kingdom. See, God has put his Holy Spirit in you. God has put his spirit of adoption in you. He's given you the commission. It's on the inside of you. He's given you confidence in prayer so that you know that you can go and ask anything in his name, and he will give that to you. <laughs> the problem is we hear that as me, 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 me. That's the wrong way to understand that prayer. I, I believe that God will answer your prayer, but... but God gets greater glory out of answering that prayer when it's done in front of a bunch of pagan, heathen, devil-worshiping, uh, four-letter word-speaking folk. And, and when he, they see God answer your prayer there, then it has impact beyond the life that you already have. What's on the inside of you is a confidence in prayer. And what is on the inside of you is an anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 tells us that there is an anointing that abides within us. Say the word abides. abides. Do you know what that word abides means? It means lives. The anointing of God lives on the inside of you. You don't have to run out and pray it up. You don't have to listen to the latest tape series and kind of feed it and get yourself all psyched up. It's already there. It's like prego. It's in there. Don't you remember that commercial? Yes. It's the sauce. It's prego. It's in there. Whatever you were it's that's old. That's old uh, commercial. It's in there. What you're looking for is in there. It's already in there. The divine recipe for the laying on of hands is already on the inside of you. God is asking you to be a hand laying son of God. That's what he's. That's what he's asking you to do to lay hands on the sick. How can we explain it? Well, I'm not good at explaining, but I have a picture here. Here it is. 
This is my picture. Forget, forget that this has a third hand here. But I think this kind of reminds us of ourselves. Two prongs. Right? Ready to reach out and touch somebody. Right? How scary is it to lay hands on someone? It's very, very scary. Right? Because your reputation rises and falls on whether or not you have enough on the inside of you. And I want to tell you that you're really only, just like this, just like this extension cord, you're really only good if the other end's plugged in. Yes. <laughs> just the way this is right here, it's simply a tripping hazard. It's simply a tripping hazard. It's going to cause someone to stumble. But when you have spent time with the Lord, when you are acknowledging the Spirit of God is flowing on the inside of you, when you are spent time in the presence of God, when you stink like Jesus, when you walk into some place, then you all, all of a sudden, when you lay hands on the sick, you are giving more than what you've got. You're giving also what you're plugged into, and you become a divine conduit. Derek Prince says that sometimes when you lay hands on the sick, it does all of these things. Heals a person, separates them, gives a blessing, pours out the Spirit of God upon that person. It's more than what's on the inside of me, though there is greatness on the inside of each of us because of God's investment into our life. The spiritual giftings He's poured into our life. The things that He's asking Timothy, stir it up brother. Stir it up. Stir it up. It's in there because I put my hands on. What he's saying is, I laid my hands on you. I know it is on the inside there. And I'm saying to us that we have to recognize this. We have to recognize that this is a part of the, of the elementary mission of the church. You will never be weirder then when you say to someone, is it okay if I put my hands on you and pray for you? Yeah, I don't know how the boss is going to react to that. But if he's asked for prayer from you, if she's asked for prayer from you, then just go full weird on it. I mean, just... <laughs> right? They're asking. If they give you a weird look, just say, well, you asked. This is how we do. You, could, you can open your Bible almost any place and find a scripture where somebody laid their hands on somebody. This is how we do This is what I'm commanded by God to do. So if you want me to pray, I can pray. Now, it's different if I'm, I'm praying currently for a friend who lives in Memphis. I'm praying I can't get there to put my hands on them. And I, so I'm using the authority of Christ in praying for that person. But you understand that when we're praying for someone that we have the opportunity, why would we try to fool with the old family recipe? I don't understand why you think you're so stinking special that you can mess with a recipe that Jesus himself practiced. You would never do that to grandma's chicken 
pie recipe. You would never do that to somebody's cake recipe that, was, that you esteemed in your family. Why would you do that for Jesus? Why would you just say, oh, okay, I'll pray for you in my quiet time when I'm at home. Boss, you know, I, I'm, I don't want you to think I'm weird. I would say, come on over, get on your knees, boss. I'm going to lay my hands right on the side of your head. Don't clap on his ears. That'll be, that'll be painful. Don't do, your, don't do your faith healer on TV imitation. <laughs> Never says in the script, scripture that Jesus hurt anybody when he was praying for them. But he laid hands on nearly all of them. Put your hands on them and say, we're going to pray. And we're going to believe God. That, and, and you pray, just pull out the cork and let her go. Yes, yes, yes. All that's on the inside of you. Your reputation rides on this. His reputation rides on it. Half measures are stumbling opportunities. But if the Spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of you, impartation happens through the laying on of hands. And there's no doubt this could be abused. There's no doubt that somebody could think themselves. I remember uh, a guy telling a story. We were, it was a young man who was uh, wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit at the church that I got saved in. And a bunch of us young people gathered. I was young then. It's hard to believe. But we all gathered around this young fella and we started to pray and as we started to pray, the Holy Spirit just dropped on this guy like a sack of potatoes. And this guy began to speak in another language that he'd never learned. And he was shaking and quaking and fell out there at the front of the thing. And we were all, and, you know, I, w I said, okay, he's got that. And I just moved away, walked away. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not, I, you don't have to prove it. I don't need to see a card or anything like that. So, and, and the Holy Spirit. And I heard this guy later on telling the story about when he went and prayed for this guy, this guy received the Holy Spirit. And I was like, man, maybe that kind of got to his head. Because he forgot that there were other people laying hands on that guy at the time. I remember one time when I was in Bible college, there was a gal, her name is Tracy, she lives down in. Uh, McLeansboro, Illinois. And she, her boyfriend had broken up with her long distance. Big deal when you're 18 years old, you know. And so she was heartbroken. And we were standing in the hallway outside the this class where the professor was teaching on the book of Acts. And just standing there talking and schmoozing like you do in, in, in college while you're waiting for the class to open up. Uh, what I didn't know is that the professor had just started to pray, and the, and the whole group in that class, about 30 or so, were praying as well. And up comes Tracy. She walks up, and she says, oh, I can't remember his name. Billy, let's say, broke up with me. And we're like, oh, man, that stinks, you know, because so, we were too spiritual to say sucks. So we, you know, we, we, we said, come on over here. And so we, we laid hands on her and began to pray. And God began to pour himself out on her, and she was warmed on the inside of her heart. She was so blessed. 
And she was just crying out to God. And suddenly the tears that were mourning now became tears of joy as she was praying. And other people began to walk down the hallway and they'd come up and they didn't know what we were praying about, but they'd come up and they just joined in the circle and they started praying, oh God! And God began to pour himself out on us in that hallway. It was a rich, it was thick in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you understand that terminology. The Holy Spirit was so thick you couldn't hardly do anything else. Other people walking down the hallway came to that little prayer meeting where somebody was being, having hands laid on and walked up. And as they would walk up, they would begin to pray. Then suddenly, one guy on the outside, maybe about three layers deep, he fell over on a, on a tile floor and banged his head. And I was like, wow, that's an injury, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but he didn't get up, but he was praying and, and shouting out the name of Jesus. And then other classes about that time all opened their doors and dismissed their classes to come out in the hallway. And as they walked out, they all, it was lunchtime, by the way, as it was, they were all beginning to walk that way to go to lunch. And as they got to that little corner in the hallway where we were praying, suddenly they felt the Holy Spirit's presence there. And some of them stopped and some of them dropped their, 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 their books. And some of them lifted their hands. And for three days... For three days, the power of the Holy Spirit moved. No more classes, no more, uh, no more chapel services. For three days, the Holy Spirit poured itself out on that campus. All these future pastors, all these future missionaries being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is looking for an opportunity to break out. God is looking for an opportunity to do something in someone's life. And when it's an opportunity for you to lay hands on somebody, don't you be found sitting on your hands. Stick your hands out and pray with all the faith that you have in the glorious name of the risen Savior Jesus. I beseech you, Father in heaven, that you would pour out through me, use me. You don't have to be embarrassed. It's more of a testimony when, when, when God uses an idiot like me than it is when, when God pours it out by himself. So let it be a testimony. God can use people just like us. Put your hands on them and pray in Jesus' name. And let your hands be used. Let your hands be used. So lift your hands today. Father, we pray for confidence in this most elementary doctrine of the church. We've seen it all thousands of years through the scriptures. Thousands of years ago we saw it in Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.